2: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Blue moon, You saw me standing alone.
2: Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Nigel Rothman back in the chair. And so City beat the Reds at Wembley to secure the double. A ridiculously early goal. An interesting VAR penalty decision, a stonewall penalty denied, a sending off that didn't happen. Pep cried, and according to many, he disrespected the occasion by not wearing a suit. He wore a hoodie, of course. Uh, So, on to Istanbul at the weekend to see if the mighty blues can make it a historic treble. To discuss that and much more. I have three guests, two regulars, and one making his debut. Welcome to broadcasting legend, John. Stapleton. John, welcome to the Man City Show. Good to see you. Are you,
3: are you sober yet?
2: Uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Totally sober. Uh, still on cloud, sort of 57, but uh, but certainly sober. Uh, welcome back to Stato, Paul Denby. Hi, Paul. Hi, Nigel. Great to be here as always. You're looking remarkably fresh considering where you were yesterday.
4: It was a great day. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about that shortly.
2: And welcome. Making his debut and he's driven me nuts... He's mithered me for 10 years to be on. Uh, it is young
0: Harry Rothband. Harry, welcome to the Man City Show. Thank you very much. Very, very happy to finally be here.
2: Very good. Listen, we always do this to our uh, debutants. Uh, just to help our seven listeners uh, to understand your sort of city pedigree, kind of first game. Favourite players as a, as a young
0: man? Um, Favourite players? Oh, uh I, I had a thing for the number 10, and when I was, you know, started with City, it was Antoine Sibierski, so the the French legend signed from Long. So Antoine Sibierski, uh, you also had the likes of Robbie Fowler, um, Steve McManaman, David Seaman, so all legends of the sort of the 2003 era. And do you remember your first game? Uh, 2001, Loftus Road away, I had a Thomas the Tank Engine lunchbox.
2: <laughs> very good <laughs> you don't still have it i hope no listen welcome uh, welcome one and all um this was uh what a, what a, a stato what a, let's start with the atmosphere first of all the atmosphere was unbelievable and what a start 12 seconds it was absolutely incredible the atmosphere before the
4: game was fantastic both sets of fans i just, i saw no trouble at all yesterday which was fantastic um Twelve seconds. I, I, I just couldn't believe. it. I don't think any of our city sports could believe what we saw at twelve seconds. And I've literally sat there with a stopwatch and timed it. It was twelve point two seconds on my stopwatch. To when I not at the live at the game, but when I watched it subsequently, incredible. And it was a long ball Wimbledon, the old Wimbledon game as well, wasn't it? Uh, well, Gundogan kicked off. Back to Ortega. Straight up the top. A couple of headers, and bang! It's in the back of De Gea's net. It was absolutely brilliant and you know it was probably the worst start for the reds and absolutely fantastic we were just buzzing at that point and then the next 20 minutes you thought come on let's get that second kill them off It didn't come unfortunately but we were so masterful it was just oh, i was i'm still excited thinking about
2: it John, the, the noise, I read somewhere, I don't know whether I made this up or I read it. I read somewhere there was an article that said that City are the noisiest fans. I don't know whether you saw that somewhere. Maybe somebody can try and correct me or not, but I'm pretty sure, I think it was on Twitter, there was this kind of poll and City were the noisiest fan. And the noise when that goal went in, yeah, it was, I don't know where you were in the stadium, but where I was, it was unbelievable.
3: It was where I was around as well that Nigel. I saw that survey. So I think, was it the, the noisiest or one of the noises? I can't remember. I was slightly surprised by it, given that the atmosphere sometimes at the Etihad uh, can seem like a bit like a library, frankly. Yeah, you know? yeah, but I yesterday, agree. Yesterday was, uh, oh, unbelievable. Everyone around me went absolutely crazy. And and, and as, as Paul said, you know, both sets of fans made it the occasion it was. Apparently there was a bit of trouble. but Apparently I didn't, I didn't see any either, but apparently some of my mates who tweeted that they had seen a, a bit of a, aggression here and here and there i think at Wembley park station at one stage but you know that apart it was, it was a fantastic afternoon and, and the tension I don't, I don't know about you lot but i mean i was biting my fingernails right at the very end hoping and praying Harlow will keep that ball in the corner as long as he's very good at that he's very good at everything uh it was it was by no means in my in my book anyway it was by no means certain right until the final whistle you know credits united they did try i think we had 60 percent possession so, you know, we were the dominant force, but there was nowhere near as dominant a performance as, as, say, for example, Real Madrid or Arsenal. So, credit to, United, credit to United for making a game of it and going for it, you know, certainly. But at the, end, at the end of the day, we were the better team. End of story.
2: Harry, you're a fortunate young man. You've been to Wembley a few times, obviously, and uh, there again yesterday, as always. Your, your kind of reflections on, on the atmosphere, that early goal, how did you see it?
0: Well, the atmosphere, fantastic. I think that we outsung you know, the Red fans for the majority of the game. The only time I actually heard any noise from them was when the um, Paul Pearney went to look at the screen for the VAR for the penalty, and then when they actually got the penalty and scored. Apart from that, it was, you know, like a library there end. Um, you know, it's it's always a big occasion, a derby. Um, and I think, you know, in a derby match, Red fans have always been a bit, you know, i you know, let them have their day out, and City fans have always had this special hatred for them. So, you know... And yeah, fantastic day. You know that that early goal really set the tone and got got the Blues all hyped up. And yeah, any any visit to Wembley is special. It doesn't matter whether it's been you know once in the last year or fifteen times in the last five years. It you know to me, it's always special.
2: John, can we talk about uh, VAR? I know you you enjoy this bit of the show uh, every week, uh, and I think not just because of the the handball in inverted commas. Uh, but then there was kind of a, a trip on de Bruyne which looked yeah. nailed onto me at the time and then clearly when I've we all came home and uh watched uh match the day and then uh kind of watched the recording as well three times uh, but apart from that and then of course there was a terrible terrible over the top tackle into onto a kanji as well that I could have seen it being a red card as well so kind of three different incidents all that are worthy of of note so uh Help us understand uh, your reflections on, on well, VAR again, and where we and where, where do go, we go from here?
3: I, I don't know. I, I wish I could understand that. I mean, Alan Shearer apparently was astounded by the decision for the penalty, as indeed was uh, was Jack Grealish. And you know, I, I saw Jack Grealish talking about it afterwards. Uh, there's no way in a million years that, that should be a penalty under the rules. Arguably, arguably, it could be now, but it's it's a ridiculous rule. If someone gets penalised for something like that, he was he had his head. Turned it, we couldn't see the ball, he wasn't looking at the ball, he had his head turned away. The ball hit his arm accidentally. Give a penalty in those circumstances, I thought, was, was appalling. And just one other point, away from VAR. After they scored, I thought the behaviour of some United players was absolutely reprehensible. The way in which they went to the City corner and goaded the City fans. You know, I think someone someone stupidly threw a bottle or something, some object onto the field for which City may well be censored. But they were provoked into that by those players who behaved highly irresponsibly, in my view. The tackle, yeah, the tackle on uh, Kanji. I mean, any in anybody's book, surely to God, you know, that, that was a setting off offense, you know. Likewise, a trip on De Bruyne. I just don't know what, what we do about about VAR, when it's, particularly bearing in mind, you know, not a, regarding the penalty, not a single United player claimed a penalty. Not one single player that I could see claimed a penalty and suddenly, you know, two minutes after the incident or a minute and a half after the incident, they're given one. I just I, just, I just don't know where we go, and particularly with regards to the handball rule either.
2: I mean, there's two things here, Harry, isn't it? There's, there's the, the law itself, of course, which seems to be a bit... That this is where it's a nonsense when that becomes a penalty, when Grealish clearly knew nothing about it, had his back turned, kind of his his hands... Even the Stretford player, kind of... You saw it in slow motion afterwards, and he had his hands all over the place as well afterwards. These things happen. Um, but then particularly, I'm interested in your thoughts about kind of the De Bruyne challenge... And then the foul on a kanji. When they have the benefit of VAR, when they've got a guy in the studio who is looking at this, surely that I just don't don't understand in those situations why we are where we are.
0: Any thoughts from you? Yep, absolutely. Um, I think that you have the benefit of VAR. You know, for the penalty to be decided, there was a whole, you know, sort of passage of play before Paul Tierney blew up and then decided to go and look at the monitor. And I don't know why you know that couldn't have happened for you know the our penalty shout and the the red card offense against casemiro i think you know the you know studs in the ankle. It's pretty stonewall to me that should have been you know a booking at the minimum um and then you know the the penalty against de bruyne he's planted his foot he's about to bury it and he he gets turned over and i just you know Uh, you know me personally, I'm a big fan of consistency. And I think that is one thing that this whole VAR malarkey is lacking. There needs to be some level of consistency. And for me, there just isn't.
2: Paul, how do we sort that then? Help Harry out here. All he wants is consistency. A reasonable lad. Been well brought up, clearly.
0: No, I I
4: totally, I want consistency as well. My my issue is on on all the incidents, separate issues, but let's, let's do the handball. First of all, that was a natural position. It was not an unnatural position for Grealish. The way he was jumping for the ball, his hand was slightly away from his body, touched his fingertips, he didn't even hit his hand fully on it, did not divert the, the play. That should not be a penalty, even in the law of the game, because his hand was in a natural position when he was jumping. You can't jump, as I read in one article this morning, like a penguin. It's impossible to get any leverage to and you use your arms to sort of float in the air, if you like. So that was a poor decision but in the laws of the game as they exist today unfortunately it's the way it's interpreted. The Casemiro challenge it's it's borderline red in my, in my view. I'm not sure he deliberately scraped his his foot down his leg. He did it was a bad tackle and some referees would have red carded straight away in an FA Cup final and this isn't defending the referee at all but in an FA Cup final at that stage of the game very rarely you're going to see um, a, a red card because they want to try and make a game of it. Now, that's not saying it's the right decision, but it was It was very close to being the red if it wasn't. The De Bruyne trip, I can't understand it. I mean, OK, the referee might not see it, first of all, but that's what VAR is for. And a consistency of it, as uh, Harris said a few months ago, is a definite penalty. There's no doubt about it. Um, Fred put his leg out, and De Bruyne could not get to the ball and tripped over the outstretched leg of Fred it's a Stonewall penalty. And VAR looked at it and said, nah. I mean, that's what gets City fans really annoyed and irritated, is the fact that the inconsistency, and we seem not to get the, the, the right decisions when um, in important games like that. It's like, as if, well, you're the much better team. We might as well try and help the other team to equalise the, the, their efforts. And it, it was very poor. Um, but at the end of the day, we still won.
2: So that's two down, one to go.
3: No, incidentally, who, who was the VAR official? Name the guilty man if you can.
2: It, it was David Coote, is it, his name um yeah. and allegedly he has a picture of him stood in front of uh, Old Trafford in his kind of some of his social media uh, pages now whether that's kind of you know what these things are like are easy to kind of photoshop these things whether it's true or not i i couldn't possibly say but uh, some people were very disappointed when they heard that he was the VAR knowing that this photo has appeared on social media of him stood in front of the Stretford End uh, uh, on his social media i'm not sure if that's true or not john you know how these things can be uh, can be construed from well, to very, time to right. time
3: the laws of libel
2: as well, yeah. Uh, and, and of course, as always, you know we, we're we're very much above above board here on the, on this show. Um, let, let's let's just as we always do at this situation. Let's pick out some of the performances. And Harry, I think we have to start with the amazing, the amazing Ilkay Gundogan, who we've talked for the last few weeks about these contract talks that are going on. The fact that surely now he's got to sign at least another year, um, but actually, Aguero had one very special moment. This guy's had quite a few now, hasn't he? I mean, what a player. What a performance. And it wasn't just the two goals. I think he just looked the best player on the park. And he just 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 wax lyrical about Ilkay Gundogan for a moment. Would you start off with him? We've got a few players to go through. And, and one or two who didn't have such a good day either as well, of course. We've got to touch on those two. But start with Ilkay Gundogan for us, Harry.
0: Ilkay Gundogan. I think, you know, Pep's first signing in 2016 of the Pep era, Ilkay Gundogan. And, yeah, since then he's been fantastic he's you know he's the captain that that says a lot you know he's able to dominate control delegate he absolutely had a fantastic game not just the two goals and you know and uh, a potential hat trick unfortunately ruled out for offside just absolute rock in the middle of the park. John
2: we've we have talked over the last couple of weeks about the whole sort of Gundogan uh, contract talks. There were indications yesterday that it sounds as though may well be that he might be staying a bit longer. I know he's not a youngster, but but certainly that would be a big boost for the club, I think, wouldn't it? I and mean, it sounds as though it's moving in that direction, isn't it, I think?
3: It certainly does. My, my contribution is to say, once again, Ilke, where do you want the statue, you know, frankly? I mean, let's face it, you know, he won the Premier League last season with those goals against Villa. He's helped us win the title this this season with the goals against uh, uh, against Arsenal, and now he's helped us win the, and, and and indeed he played a blind against Real Madrid, and now he's, he's helped us win the FA Cup. I mean, he's, he is a fantastic player and a fantastic leader too. I don't know whether you caught on Twitter a, a little tribute he made to the fans after the game. It was mm. so eloquent and so heartfelt, you know. And it, he's, I mean, he's an absolute star, not just on the field, but off the field as well. And I sincerely hope, as I'm sure we all do that uh, he does sign up for at least another year. I think the indications are, as you rightly say, that he will. Uh, Pep was certainly made, made left early on in any doubt about his feelings on the subject. He wants him there again. Uh, and I suspect, uh, you know, fingers crossed it will happen because he, he can. He's, he's good for at least, at least another season, uh, if not two. Uh, fantastic player. Let's not forget, you know, again, tribute to Pep. Who was the first, as Harry said, who was the first player Pep signed? it was okay gone down. Well, I had never even heard of it, to be absolutely honest with you. He spent his first few weeks, if not months, injured. Took a while to get into the team, took a while to get into his stride, but boy, has he proved a fantastic success and what a and what a bargain financially, apart from anything else.
2: Uh, one of the greats, Paul, I think isn't he now he's got to go down as that surely with, with that performance and, and, and as both Harry and John have indicated, the sort of the contribution he's made over so many years.
4: He's made a fantastic contribution over the seven years uh, since Pep took over. He's a big match player as well, steps up to the occasion, doesn't shirk any responsibility. He's a leader on the pitch, you can see that. He dictates play in most of the games. Uh, he creates space and he knows how to finish as well. Uh, he's got the attributes. If I could compare him to a player of the past, and uh, forgive me, Harry, you won't know this, but, uh, a sort of Martin Peters Um, drifts into space, finds um, the openings he was a brilliant player for England and West Ham uh, back in the 60s and early 70s Um, and Gundogan just reminds me of that a little bit and he's he's just got that all-round ability to drift around the pitch but really control the play Um, yeah, we should be offering him a two-year contract if if that's the competition we're up against with Barcelona potentially offering him a two-year contract I'm sure we can I don't see why we wouldn't. And yes, he might not be as good in two years' time as he is at the moment because age catches up with all of us, as we know, but he's worth giving a go and it, and then bring somebody else in to take over that role over the next um, two years. Definitely give him a contract.
2: He's more articulate than Mike, Martin Peters anyway, as well, of course, and uh, many, many have talked about him being a future manager because he just talks. Uh, John, you made the point, you know, he's a leader off the pitch as well. He speaks beautifully. Uh, he's articulate. He's... Uh, He's, he's somebody who people have said potentially could be a future City manager. I know people talk about company coming. Just for me, as I said many times, just far too soon. He's not. He's not managed in the Premier League. Not not just yet. But who knows? These are the sort of guys that potentially you could see over the years making fantastic managers at the, at the top level. You'd like to think. But let's let's keep him as a player for a couple of years first. Um, can we talk about another player who I don't quite think is in the uh, category of statue yet? But what a transformation! What a player! a centre-back from Barnsley, who's now one of the most cultured midfielders, and what a game he had yesterday. What a season he has had. Stato, you're nodding away enthusiastically. You you kick off on this one. John Stones, what a player. What a player he's become.
4: Yesterday, he was absolutely superb. He did one move where my heart was in my mouth, though, but he was brilliant the way he executed it. He was on the edge of the area, surrounded, I think, by three reds, and he just casually did a little body swerve, Turned around and walked, not walked out of defence, but came out of defence with the ball. I mean, it was one of those moments where, had he lost the ball, we were in real, real trouble. But he just, calm, cool, did everything right. And sometimes you saw him go into the opposition penalty area at one point as well. I think, John, you're a centre-back, but he isn't just a centre-back now. He is a midfield player who has got the capabilities learned an awful lot just this last season as well how to position how to move around how to look at where players are positioned he he's learned a lot he is a brilliant brilliant footballer now not just a center back brilliant footballer and we've had so many great footballers this season and if he carries on in this um Uh, this way for the next season or two statue as well, I mean we could have a statue for all 11 or 15 of them at this rate I don't want to uh, put any of them down because they're all having fantastic seasons this particular season, if we do succeed next week
2: yeah, I'd be interested to see the Sergio Gomez statue. Oh, I'd be really interested to see when that one pitches up, but uh, I'm not sure if I'd be queuing up to see that one. Bless her. I love you, Sergio, and I wish you lots of luck and I wish you more chances in the future. But a statue is not coming just yet. Um, Harry John Stones, what what does he mean to you John as a Stone. player? Uh,
0: funnily enough, he was another you know initial. Pep Guardiola 2016 era signing and at the time he was the second most expensive defender in the world behind David Luiz at 47.5 million or something like that but yeah he has come on leaps and bounds I am so happy to see that he has expanded into that midfield role as well because I think it suits his style of play Um, as Paul said yes that that move when he just sort of like walked past two defenders and just I love the tippy-tappy Manchester City one-pass football, but sometimes it does put the willies up me. It is just very, oh, God, get rid of it. But he's he's an absolute legend, you know. He, he, you know, maybe a statue, I'm not sure, but he's he's very, very, very good.
2: Statue for John Stones then, uh, John, as well. We did statues a couple of weeks ago. We're back on statues again this week, which uh, we probably shouldn't. We should probably move away from statues, but they're all so brilliant, aren't we? That's the problem.
3: Exactly. One day, maybe. Not quite yet, I, I suspect. But again, let's not forget that not that long ago, John Stones couldn't get in the team. You know, and everyone was saying, what are we doing having bought this guy? Has he got a mm-hmm. future match to City? And again, I come back to Pep. Credit to Pep for having the patience and the perseverance to stick with the lad and having the vision to turn him into a midfield player. I who would have thought that, you know, two years ago, that John Stones would become a midfield player. and not, not just a midfield player, an extremely accomplished midfield player, but arguably one of the best in the Premier League. It's it's an amazing turnaround. And, you know, credits both him and Pep Guardiola for having that vision. Uh, he's just an absolute stalwart of our side now. Can't imagine the team without him. It's incredible. So, statue, yeah, certainly, certainly consider it
1: So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
2: And who gets one first? Gomez, do you think, or do you think John Stones is going to get it's one John first? If the... Just Edge it? Yeah. Okay. Yes. All right. We'll see. We'll wait and see. Uh, we'll get you back on when we know. John, uh, d- just carry on. The- one more player to pick out before I talk about a couple of players who had an off day certainly not had off seasons but both had an off day and you might add your own in as well so, so John kick off with uh, with Carl Walker who again showed great pace and what, what, is, what a career he's had with City yeah, uh, One nothing, nothing of course at Spurs now he's got a cabinet full of the stuff
3: absolutely and I was astonished to pick up my um, Sunday morning paper and see that in the ratings he only got a 6 out of 10 I thought he was worth it really yeah really? Uh, maybe they were watching another match I, I have no idea I mean, the the guy's pace, particularly bearing in mind his age, is astounding. And you know, I, I thought it was a f- virtually faultless performance by by him uh, yesterday. And uh, again, once again, someone that perhaps had the, the wisdom to 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 have patience with and and, and deal with it, various antics off the field as well as on the field, which can't which can't have been easy. Again, he stuck with the guy, and he's paid massive dividends. Yeah. I would say 8 or 9 out of 10 performance yesterday as it has been time and again
4: this season
2: Hi Mark from you Paul as well for Kyle
4: Oh definitely yesterday had a fantastic game um, kept uh, any player that moved on to his side of the pitch fairly quiet um, I don't think Sancho did too much at all when he came up against Walker and most of the play it's his, his overall reading of the game as well and his ability to recover well because of his pace um yeah, he was, to me, he was an 8 or a 9 out of 10 yesterday, as were most of the players. There's probably a couple that might be not quite there. I think you're going to touch on those in a few moments.
2: I am, Harry. Quick word on Carl Walker, then I'm going to kick you off with uh, with a couple of players who had an off day, which uh, we should just do quickly, but uh, in a way of just sort of getting them geared... I know they listen, both of them, each week, to get them sort of geared up for the Champions League next week, which, of course, we'll come on to. So, Carl Walker, quickly, then I'll chuck a couple of names at you as well.
0: Carl Walker, you know, wizard quick, excellent, just, that would be my word for Carl Walker, excellent. He He's just great. <laughs> he's just oh, all right, well, it,
2: fantastic. Let's talk about um, two players that clearly had an off day, um, and they are, namely, uh, Mr Jack Grealish, winning his first FA Cup, and a certain Erling Haaland, who didn't score but actually did plenty off the ball but I suppose I'm thinking of his goal scoring here kind of missed a couple uh hasn't scored for a while that's kind of probably what I'm really it's, I don't know how many you'll tell me Harry or or uh Stato will tell me how, is it six games since he scored something like that which six, is yeah. is it six yeah so that's sort of quite something. I suppose it's that's the reason I'm picking him out I suppose really he didn't have a terrible game you're right but anyway so there we go Harry so um Give us some thoughts then on uh, either Jack or Harland
0: or both. Up, to, up to you, whichever you, you want to say. D- they were just not not their day, really. Jack Grealish didn't have a fantastic game, and I think the the handball incident may have knocked his confidence a little bit. I also think that City played the ball more on the on the left hand side towards Bernardo Silva. Normally, they sort of penetrate the right with Jack, and I, I think I think they sort of more. It was more of a 50-50 game rather than Jack getting getting his eye in um, a lot more than he normally does with Erling Haaland. The opposition have kind of sussed him. And I as and every time the ball went forward, he was being climbed on by United defenders, sometimes two at a time. They've sussed him. How to how do you bring down the big six foot-five Norwegian? You climb on top of him and you don't let go. And how can you make any sort of run or any sort of advance when you've got two defenders clambering on top of you? Yes, he hasn't scored in six games. Yes, he's on a you know in inverted commas a goal drought. But I think he's he's not just a striker. He's had sort of eight eight assists all season. Correct me if I'm wrong, but he's but he's had but he's had a few a few assists. He's passed it through to De Bruyne. He did do a lot off the ball and. I think that's something for Pep to develop. You know, how, how do you how do you allow... He's only 22. He's still a young lad. He's still got so much potential. Winning the Golden Boot, 36 goals in his first Premier League season. I think that's something for him to develop. And, you know, how do we allow him to make a run without having defenders clamber on top of him?
2: All right. OK. Um, Stata, you were kind of, I think, disagreeing with my comment uh, about Haaland having a, a, a poor game. I guess I was thinking more about this sort of cumulative effect of six games without a goal is probably where I was going there. So I think he did work quite hard and did more sort of tracking back, didn't he, I suspect, on reflection. I was maybe being slightly unkind, but certainly Jack Grealish um, had an off day for him. He's had a fantastic season. Let, let's uh, let's all agree on that, having had a difficult start at City with such a big price tag. But great season, but disappointing day at Wembley yesterday.
4: Yeah, Um I'll come on a couple of points. Then. I thought to be fair to uh Wan-Bissaka had a very good game against Jack Grealish who won the best games I've probably seen Wan-Bissaka play. He didn't let him run at him. He kept him right in his pocket as particularly in the first half and then in the second half he got a little bit more into the game Grealish but he I was surprised he didn't, that Pep didn't take him off and bring Foden on um, a little bit earlier to give him that, that chance. Instead, he took the Bruyne off and put Foden on a little, little bit later. So, yeah, Jack didn't have a great game yesterday, but fantastic, particularly second half of the season. So I'm not complaining about Grealish. He's had a brilliant um, uh, second half season. Deserves all the applause that we can get. Harden, I thought, worked really, really hard yesterday. Uh, yes, he didn't score the goal. He had a couple of shots, a couple of half chances. Possibly in the second half, might have shot one a little bit earlier. Uh, but I thought he worked incredibly hard. The, the ball, um, he was involved in the first goal, clearly, the, the header uh, that knocked it on, but uh, then eventually came to Gundlach. And a lot of play came up to him, and he was holding the ball up fairly well. And then, I love that last minute, and when he takes it down to the corner flag. And you know the Reds weren't going to get it off him. And you know he was going to win the corner off the first one. And he did exactly what he wanted. And that just wastes another 30, 40 seconds Brilliant. Can I just touch on one other player who I thought you might have mentioned had had a point? I didn't think he had one of his better games, was Bernardo. Um, I thought he was a little bit out of the game. He just couldn't quite get into it, particularly early on. He got the ball, but didn't seem to do what we know he's capable of doing. Um, So I thought he was a a minor, again, brilliant season. So let's not put him down. But I'm being super critical here, but he, he just didn't quite do it for me yesterday.
2: John, sure, no, you're allowed to mention anybody you like, Stato, and and I wouldn't disagree with you. So you got you got three there, John. You got Bernardo, uh, you got Harlan Moore because of this cumulative effect of uh, goalless in six games, and Grealish who had an off day. Do you want to sort of agree with any of those, or add your well, add your own into that list? Not that I we want to focus on the negatives for too much too long.
3: No, I agree with two out of three. Really, I, I think Grealish had it, had an off day. I think I, I also think Bernardo didn't play as superb best either. I was, in fact, at one stage, I was saying to us, I take them both off and put Morris and Foden on ASAP, which we, well, we put Foden on in the end, but not then and, and we survived. Uh, Haaland, I, I, well, I agree with everyone. He, he, I, think he, I think he'd been a bit unfair to be honest with Nigel. I think he worked his socks off. The overriding thought I had about several players, including Grealish uh, and also De and to some extent, to some extent, Rodri, I thought some of them towards the end looked absolutely knackered. Yeah. And, I, and I was concerned yeah. Next week, I mean, they've had a week off, and they look tired out. Now, it's probably no surprise given the season they've had. but it's a bit concerning for next week. We'll come to next week, uh, next uh, next weekend rather. We'll co- we'll come to that in a second. But I thought there were, you know, Rodri in particular. To the last five five minutes or so, I thought he's not going to make it. I mean, he looked on his knees actually, uh, and De Bruyne was taken off to avoid that uh, that uh, situation. I think. Um, but a slight concern uh and may- maybe one or two of them as pep had said in the past maybe two of them were suffering from niggles you know i, I when pep said that I said oh i thought to myself i'm sure everyone did oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah but maybe that was true maybe that was the, the cause of the problem but yeah let's i, I again like, like everyone else let's not diminish the achievement overall fantastic achievement by everyone on the pitch yesterday
2: Can I just focus on Pep then as well, just for a second, and and just start sort of slightly flippantly? I'm going to start with you, John, being the traditionalist here. We all remember the suited and booted managers coming out from behind the goal in the old days at the old Wembley, of course, and marching out in front of their teams, very smart in their suits. Um, Your view of Pep in his kind of hoodie and his jogging bottoms and his trainers looking very casual and suave, is it disrespecting... Uh, his Royal Highness, the the Prince of Wales, who is resented to should have been in a suit. How do you, how do you respond to that criticism, John? I think these days that's nonsense. Frankly,
3: I, I, when I when I saw from a distance, from a great distance, what Pet was wearing, not close up, I said to my son, "He's come dressed as Zelensky. You know, uh, he's got his battle fatigues on." Uh, <laughs> Probably, probably quite appropriate actually in the circumstances. I I think those days are gone. And and, you know, if if someone wants to wear a suit, fine. It's up to everyone to do what they want. What what they want to do. It's like these clubs in London where you've got to wear a suit and a tie to get in, and they don't allow women. I mean, come on, we've moved on. It's a, it's a, it's a sport. It's a game of football. He's standing on a football pit. He's not in a church. He's not going to a funeral. Good heavens! You know, it doesn't bother me one jot.
2: And Stato, what about Pep crying then? He, he's. What, what do you think that's all about? What What was that? I'm not. We don't see that from Pep very often on the pitch, do we? Actually, real tears from Pep on the pitch. Well, I, obviously, until I saw the highlights and and, and stuff, as I said uh, earlier on, sort of coming back home, I, I didn't realise that happened on the pitch. Your Your thoughts and reflections on that? What's What's going on there? Do you think?
4: Yeah, he's clearly got a very emotional tie to City. He's been there for seven years now, and he knows that this is, and I think he said a couple of times, this is a chance to create a real history of going for this treble. It means a lot to him, I think. And this was a second leg and therefore he could see what the players had put in to get to where we've got to. Had a fantastic season and he knew that was such an important, well, we had to do it to have the chance to treble. clearly. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's very emotionally attached to the club now. And then that showed uh, yesterday. Um, can I just touch on what John said? Because I agree 100 percent. doesn't matter what you wear as long as it's reasonable. And it, the days of wearing suits and that sort of thing for these occasions, it's long gone. Let's move on.
2: He just—he had criticisms from some quarters. I'm just raising. I, I'm not. I'm not saying whether I agree or disagree with you. I'm just. I, I just ask the question. So I have no view of these things, as you know, uh, Stato.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I know you don't, but I'm sure you do. But you've not expressed them. I'm just. Uh, and I did see the same statements in in some of the press as well about him wearing his hoodie.
2: Yeah. Harry, who doesn't even own a suit. I'm not going to ask him, of course, because he, uh, he's never worn one. Uh, but, Harry, let's talk about Pep then, Harry. You you kick off on this one. I'm just going to kind of read out here. He's won five out of the past six Premier League titles. He could win the treble this season as Manchester City manager. I mean, you've not seen many, and that's why I'm starting with you. I'm going to leave the, the old gits to the end here. But but he's been talked about absolutely as the greatest the greatest manager, and this being the greatest team, you know, better than than that Stretford team of whenever they won the treble. You don't you don't remember them. You're you're too young for all that stuff, of course. But uh, just how great is he in your eyes?
0: Uh, he's definitely the greatest of my era. I mean, I've, I've heard the stories, you wax lyrical about the likes of Joe Mercer. And while I'm sure he was the greatest of that era, I, I just think the amount Pep's done and where he's taken us from, he, he is the greatest. Um He's if he wins this treble, I think he could probably be one of the greatest managers in England, better than uh, in the Premier League of all time. You know, Sir Alex won the treble and did this, that, and the other. But I think the way that Pep's come forward and what he's done for the club, I would say Pep leapfrog Sir Alex.
2: John, where does he stand in in your? Let's kind of we are going to talk about the uh, the Champions League in a moment, if we can all face the the stress of all of that stuff and, and we're, we're going to have to do that uh but but your your reflections on pep then bef- before we do that in terms of where he stands he, he's now the greatest presumably he, he leapfrogged harry's mentioned joe mercer that i do wax lyrical about all the time as you and i op- often reminisce but <clears throat> he's overtaken him hasn't he now surely
3: he probably has i mean credit to joe mercer and Markham allison who turned the cl- club around from a very low position indeed and uh you know one virtually all the Trophies available to them at the time. They did a fantastic job, but I think Pep has surpassed that. I think Pep is now certainly on the verge of being regarded in equal terms to uh, to Fergie uh, in his achievement level of achievement for our club. And if we win the triple, I think he'll probably surpass him even. Uh, he's certainly the great, uh, in my view, the greatest manager Manchester City have ever had, and, and arguably one of the greatest managers of all time. Uh, an absolute genius, absolute genius. So come back to statues, two for him.
2: Two yes. <laughs> Stato, your 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 thoughts Your fle- I, I know what you're going to say but to just uh, articulate uh, the feelings you have for this man if it's possible
4: I don't think I can articulate it fairly he's clearly a genius when it comes to football management he knows how to, to um, get the best out of every single player There's, the difference between him and some other top managers is his ability to improve other players who are already near the peaks of their career. And you've seen that with so many footballers that he's brought on and changed the way they think about the game. He's changed football for the better as well, in terms of nearly every team, whether it's right down at the lowest levels of football, right up to the top teams like City, to play out from the back rather than hoofing the ball. I know we scored a goal from hoofing the ball yesterday, but that's not our traditional style of play. And so many other clubs now try to emulate what City and Pep have created in football. And that is just a fantastic thing to say about him—he's he, changed football, and um, not many people can can do that.
2: Uh, Stato, let's look forward to next week, and uh, you and I—we we got the train home back with Harry actually from from the Brighton game, and we had a good chat. It was a long journey uh, from that midweek game from Brighton, uh, and we were talking about our trip to Istanbul. Uh, and, and for those, obviously, there'll be many City fans going, and be plenty of people listening here who who sadly won't be able to be there. But the just want to sort of share kind of the story about tickets and travel and hotels and stuff and kind of the way you've approached this, because you have quite a, an innovative and creative way of doing this sort of stuff and, and some of the challenges we have with UEFA and tickets and stuff. Just just share your, your thoughts and reflections on that so people can understand kind of a bit about how all this sort of works.
4: Well, I, I plan ahead. I'm a, I'm a great planner. So what I did was I booked, and I think we'd reached the quarterfinals when I booked a cancelable Airbnb. Um, so it was cancelable up till the 6th of June. Um, so that was already done. Then I found out 24 hours before we played Real Madrid's second leg that you could book a cancelable flight on a cheap airline for £210 return, Pegasus Airline it was. So I booked it at midnight the night before we played Real Madrid hoping that I wouldn't need to cancel it. But if I did, it didn't cost me anything. So I'd already done all that. So it was was about as cheap as I could do it. The the Airbnbs, they're not cheap. But I I just think it just needs a little bit of planning to to make it work. And I know other people have said it's ridiculously expensive. And it is. It's not a cheap flight to get. I mean, City's Club um, flights are about £1,000 return. And if you're adding on a couple of nights nice accommodations, some people are doing, it's £1,200 a person before you've then got any extras you've got to pay. I mean, it is costing a lot of money. And so for some people, it's ridiculous. They can't afford it. And I get that. Uh, it, I'm hoping it's going to be a fantastic occasion. I'm hoping that the City fans enjoy Istanbul. Anyone that's staying there for a couple of extra days to see the City, because I've been there once before, and it is an incredible city to, to visit as well. Lots to lots to see and do as well as just the football and the drinking and the enjoyment and having a, a lovely time there. Uh, clearly, when we went to Porto a couple of years ago, it was a great day until the match. I just mm-hmm. hope uh, and pray that it's a great day and a great match and a great result and that we, we were all smiling at the end of it because it's um, nothing more disappointing than having to face a journey home after a defeat from something like that. So fingers crossed, I'll be as tense as I was yesterday at three o'clock, uh, but um, let's hope and see where we get to. I'm, I'm loving every minute of the build-up at the moment, but I'll be really tense come next Saturday.
2: Well, I enjoy catching up with you in Porto. I hope we can do the same in Istanbul as well. John, your, your reflections ahead of, of this and any thoughts on Inter Milan, particularly? I know we've got a certain Edin Dzeko that worries me shitless, of course, in terms of him coming back and biting us in the bum. And one or two others we will recognize from the Premier League, of course, in their, in their side. Your, your, your thoughts about the build up, uh, the whole idea of playing in a Champions League final again and the potential of a treble. Your thoughts about all of that?
3: Well, filled with the usual dose of Cityitis as ever. Like you, you know, the specter of Edin Dzeko uh, haunts me. Um, but I, I watched the semi-final against uh, AC Milan, and I, I have to say, I concluded at the end of that that City have got nothing got, got nothing to fear. Uh, I, I don't know if it's false optimism or not, but I, I don't see any any big big problem for City if they if they if they are refreshed after a week off. I don't see any big problem for City taking them on and beating them, and us winning the treble. As I did say, exclusively on this program few weeks ago, yes, I'm into the treble. I'm a Delta against United, I must confess. I rushed to the final whistle, as I said, but uh, no, we, I, think we're, I think we're on course. Uh, it's a wonderful occasion. It's a fabulous city, as Paul said. I've been there uh, a few years ago, massive place, 40 million people. I was slightly disconcerted by some website somewhere suggesting that city fans would have to go to a fan site nine hours before kickoff to get to the ground. I mean, come on, for heaven's sake. I haven't investigated that any further, but my son, I'm sure, will uh, be across it in the next few days. Paul's
4: shaking his head. I don't know whether you can confirm or deny that. Paul, is that true? It is true. I've seen the same, but I'm not doing it. I'm not going nine hours. I'm not going there from what, um, two o'clock in the afternoon till 10 o'clock in the evening or whatever it is, because it's a 10 o'clock local time kickoff. No way I'm going there for that length of time, oh, but I'll yeah. get there early. But yes, I've I'm seen re-
2: We've all been told to download this UEFA app, of course, which gets all your sort of your, your travel stuff and, uh, and and all the information. And all there, it absolutely tells you that yes, the, because of the chaos with traffic and so on, you have to be there. One, but I don't think many city fans will be doing that. Uh, but I guess as a word of warning, travel is not easy, and it, everything will take a long time. It took us a long time to get out of Wembley last night. Uh, so
3: two hours to nine miles. My guess.
2: Exactly, um, Harry. I know if uh, anybody's listening's got a ticket. Um, for twenty quid, you might still be interested. Um, because at the moment, I realise you haven't quite got your ticket, but uh, keen to go. Apart from that, apart from that disappointment of potentially not being there, um, your thoughts ahead of uh, Inter Milan in the, in the Champions League final.
0: Absolutely. If anyone's got a spare ticket, because I can't afford one because I spend all my money on smashed avocado and to- on toast and oat milk. Um, but yes, uh, very disappointed not to be going at this stage. I think it's very much a case of if, buts and maybes. If City play how they did against Real Madrid, then we're a in for the treble. If they play how they did against Man United, I'm not saying we played rubbish, but you know it wasn't the best performance I've ever seen, then there, there may be some question marks. I would absolutely love to see City win the treble. I think it's a case of people say that City have no history, but for me personally this is the history in the making. I'll be able to sit here in 50 years time with my children and my grandchildren, when city potentially have had a dip in form and they're finishing 10th in the league. And I'll be able to say, I was there. This is city's history. We have fans. And I was there and I watched it and it would be the icing on the cake to what is near, near as makes no difference a perfect season. If we could win that champions league and um, What frustrates me as well is that the finals in Istanbul, because as you may or may not know, because of COVID, all the finals were pushed back one and it should have been at Wembley this year, but unfortunately that will be next year. So fingers crossed I can get a ticket within the next few days, but we'll see what happens.
2: We will. You know how to get us at City Podcast, hashtag Harry needs a ticket. Uh, Thank you very much to my three guests, to the legend that is John Stableton, to Stato Paul Demby and to the excellent debutant, He's been on at last after 10 years. He'll be happy now. Harry Rothband. Um, Listen, this is Nigel Rothband. Thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you all very soon.
0: If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network.